Hi, I'm Andy Jack and this is my colleague. Hi, I'm Rian Ellis. And we're part of a team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everybody knows about it. International Women's Day is a celebration of what women have achieved and a conversation around what's happening right now. It's also a chance to contemplate how things can change in the future. The first female students at a UK university began their studies over 150 years ago and in May 1869, nine women, who became known as the London Nine, sat down, and not with their male counterparts, I might add, to take their university exams. And on passing their general examination, the successful women didn't receive a degree, but a certificate of proficiency. However, I'm pleased to say in 2019, 150 years later, the seven who'd passed were awarded a posthumous honorary degree by the University of Edinburgh, so that's good to know. And these pioneers, the London Nine, became teachers, writers, lawyers and suffragettes and have paved the way for today's female students. It's still not an equal world in higher education. There is still a lot to be done for sure. So let's talk about some of the good and the bad of being a woman in higher education. We have here with us today a group of interesting women from all areas of university life, academics, students, students union, professional and support staff. So hopefully we will get a rounded perception of women in higher education. Would you like to say who you are and what your role is here at Swansea University? Who would like to go first? Helen? I'm Dr Helen Williams and I am a lecturer in people and organisation and I'm based in the School of Management. Hi, I'm Liza and I'm a former Swansea University student and I'm currently the Welfare Officer for Swansea University students. Good afternoon everyone, my name is Sadia and I am a second year university student studying psychology and sociology. Hi, my name is Jo Parfit, I'm Head of English Language Training Services and I'm also Head of Centre for Academic Success. Hello. My name is Yamni Nigam and I am a professor in the Faculty of Medicine, Health and Life Sciences and I teach anatomy and physiology to many, many different students from different walks of medicine and allied health. Hi, I'm Sophie Leslie. I am the Student Partnership and Feedback Development Officer and work in a central team in Student Partnership and Engagement Services. Well, thank you very much. It's really good to welcome you here today. I really wanted to start this with a positive vibe so that we can hear first what's good about being a woman at Swansea University. Would anybody like to start off? Thanks, Joanne. I've been very fortunate to have been a female in higher education for many, many years. Not so many that I really want to tell you, but um, it'll show my age. But uh, I was lucky enough to do my teacher training course to teach English as a second language at Swansea University when I graduated, which gave me an opportunity to travel the world, but then come back to home, which is Swansea, and to work at Swansea University. And throughout my sort of journey, um, starting as a teacher and now becoming head of two departments, There's been a wealth of opportunity, training, CPD, but meeting all sorts of women through all walks of life. And especially with a young daughter now who's just about to enter university herself in September, 
I can't advocate being a woman in university enough and that what higher education, what opportunities it offers, how it's wonderful to see women from all walks of life, all international diversity. And it's really wonderful that we've just signed a memorandum of understanding to teach women in a Saudi university to offer them opportunities, which is just fantastic in, in this day and age. And I, I think us as women um, should be should be celebrated because I think we've offer a wealth of opportunity that is just growing. Oh, that's fantastic. And here, here, that is a really good start to this. Thanks a lot, Joanne. Anybody else? Helen? What do I think about uh, Swansea? So I can give you a comparative answer because I was in industry before. So for me, higher education was very much a, it wasn't new from a student perspective, but from a, a academic perspective and a professional perspective, it was. And it's a completely different environment. It's challenging at times, it's invigorating, but from a women's perspective and obviously you know I research gender and equality so for me as an environment to do that in it is one of the best I've ever experienced and I think there are fantastic individuals at Swansea who are all promoting um, women and gender and you know why it's and also kind of realizing why it's so important to have these conversations and I think just having this conversation now is part of the culture at Swansea and to, and, to, and to face the issues head on. I think, you know, one of the positive things is also to talk about uh, ways in which that we can be better. And I think university as a whole, and, and particularly what I've experienced at Swansea is that they aren't afraid to have those conversations and to face those conversations. And I think, you know, for me, um, with an industry, a lot of those conversations are given lip service, but never really dealt with or tackled. And I think, you know, that while I'm sure we'll come and discuss those issues which need to be tackled and perhaps aren't, I think the fact that we are having those conversations is awesome. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I think Swansea University has provided a fabulous range of opportunities for everyone. And like you said, it's a good listening university. Who would like to offer another positive? Thanks, Sophie. So I was uh, a previous student of Swansea as well many years ago and have worked predominantly in HE since I graduated in different institutions and then was so happy to get back to Swansea and as much as I'm from Swansea anyway um, there was something about coming back to it and obviously there was something that was very comfortable and very um, welcoming when I was a student here and I think it's really nice where I do a lot of my work looks at student feedback as well to see those sorts of comments there's something about it that we can't quite put our finger on about that swansiness that i think is talked about across the university and the students definitely recognize it as well when we we ask you know what is the one thing what would you recommend to other students or your friends if they were coming here and they just can't quite it's atmosphere and i think part of what helen's saying about where we address those conversations i think what helps in an he context is we have that push from the students as well they are a massive massive group of this is what we're here for and I think they really help nudge us along sometimes and whether it comes in their feedback or in their interactions in classrooms and I think the the that's something you'll see across the HE sector but I think there's something about Swansea that really embraces that as you say and it is that atmosphere that you can't quite put your finger on that seems to really embrace a lot of this. Yeah I totally agree I wonder if, if Sadie would like to come in on that actually because that would follow nicely I think from the student perspective. Yeah, thank you so much. I was just going to say um, I really resonated uh, a lot with that, especially as a student myself. I feel like 
the past two years, my experience here studying at Swansea has just been, it's been amazing, even though it's been during a pandemic. So there has been challenges in, in that sense. But I found that um, I feel really, really empowered to, to, to study here. And as a student that kind of engages in a lot of activities outside of my studies, I just feel really supported um, by my peers, uh, by my tutors, my academic mentors. And it just feels really, really nice to, to have that. And I, I don't think I would have had that anywhere else. And it, it's, it's funny because I remember when... Um, I was uh, attending university open days and something just didn't feel right when I, I'm not going to name those universities, so we're not going to call them out here, <laughs> here, but when I did attend those universities and visited them, something didn't feel pretty right. But when I came to Swansea, and I actually live in Swansea, so I still came to the open day, um, it just felt like home and it felt great. So even now, um, it's that, comfort that comfortability, that um that openness for me to be able to just be be myself, especially as I think a black Muslim woman as well. And I think we'll later on talk about the intersectionalities as well that sometimes come to come to play in our experiences. So um so yeah, I'd say one hundred percent agree with what Sophie mentioned. That's actually given me goosebumps. So that's really nice. What a positive start. Yamni, how about you? Have you got some positive aspects to spin for us? Okay, so I'm quite active with the Athena Swan. I've been active with it for many years. Um, and I'm actually amazed at how far we've come. And I, I, of course, there's still things to do. But I mean, I've been in um, university and higher education uh, over 30 years now. So it's changed so much and it's changed for the better and I think that the change has been driven not just by women predominantly by women but by men as well who've really supported this this um, need to have equality and remember we're striving for equality we're not saying women have got to be better than men they've got to be far more present we're just looking for equality because that was so sadly missing in so many walks of higher education and you can just see from the stats I mean I've looked at UK um, stats of gender in, in higher education and in almost every subject women are now way more um, studying way more subjects than men are apart from the, the maths the physics the engineering the architecture they're the only four that still are predominantly predominant male so I just think we've come an awful long way and it's absolutely awesome there's a little bit more work to do with regard to STEM subjects, but we, that's a different story. Really inspiring. And I've actually got a warm and fuzzy feeling for being a woman who's got the privilege to study at a university with such positive vibes. So I'd like to ask you now about International Women's Day. I mean, it's been a prompt for us meeting here today and having the conversations that you say is so great that we have. So what does International Women's Day mean to you and why do you think it's important? Shall I start with International Women's Day. For me, I'll talk on kind of a personal level first. I think one of the things that was mentioned previously was about this recognition of change. And as an educator, for me, that's why I do what I do. It's something I was talking about the other day with some students around how when I was having conversations about inequality, they were so different 10 years ago to the conversations I'm having with students now. You know, it's not just about women. We talked about intersectionality. It's about sexuality and how these conversations the students that I'm talking to now are just normalised. And for me, growing up in a generation where that wasn't normal, where you still felt different for having those conversations, that for me is why these days are so important, because it is about recognising that we are not there yet. I know there's an International Men's Day, 
And, you know, I know it recognises issues that are important um, with regard to wider structural issues to do with gender. But International Women's Day is about recognising the fact that we are still not there. And while we may talk about equality and while we may talk about the fact that there are still increasing levels of equality with regard to access to education, and that's not a privilege, that is a right, in my view. You know, everyone should have access to a good quality education. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. But actually, beyond education, there is systemic issues with regard to women in leadership positions, with regard to um, promotion succession within organisations, not just in HE, or there is a particular problem within HE more broadly, but within society, there are structural issues that still need to be addressed. So that's why, for me, International Women's Day is so important. And in talking about women, it's talking about women in all their beautiful complexity and diversity and that's what it's about for me. Thank you Helen. Could I ask Liza next the same question? What does International Women's Day mean to you and why do you think it's important? Thank you and I couldn't agree more with everything Helen's mentioned. I think it's definitely a chance to celebrate all women. We understand now there's so many different intersectionalities um, and that affects the experiences of women generally and it's amazing that we get a day it should be more than once a year, if, I, if you ask me, but it's amazing that we get a day where we get the opportunity to highlight that. I also think it's a really important opportunity to reflect on all the strides that we've taken to get to where we are today. So obviously, I think we're very lucky that we're in this generation of change, and it's changed so much in such a short period of time to a point where currently my working experience is so different to maybe even just 10 years ago. And it's incredible for me to be in this position, but it's also important that I'm aware today that this is what had to happen for me to be in the privileged position that I'm in today. So as well, like Helen already mentioned, it's also an opportunity to see where we're slacking and what we need to do in the future to make those really important systematic changes. Some really important points raised there. Thanks, Liza. Would anybody else like to come in on the same question? I actually had something um, to add. I'm not sure if you, if you probably already know that this year the theme is breaking the bias so for me it, it's kind of more it's more closer to, to, to my heart because I really with with my own personal experiences I really felt like I kind of had to do that to be in the position that I, that I am today and a lot of the work that I do is kind of give, giving back to ensure that young girls like myself and my peers are able to do that as well they're able to accept that, that themselves for who they are and actually unlock the potential within themselves and, and go forward and strive towards whatever it is that they want. So it's really an exciting year, year for me because I'll practically be able to, to do that with the support of the university as well by putting on one of my workshops for the students here at the university. So I think for, for me, it's more of a personal experience, but that's what makes it bit different this time because, like I said, said, that practicality, I'll actually be able to amplify the voices of of others and and give back to them wow fantastic you'll have to tell us when your workshops are Sadia, so we can help promote them helen i was just uh, in awe really yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's it's brilliant excellent would anybody else like to join in on that one joanne thank you Sadia. It, and it's really sort of i think it's really important that as women we just sort of sit and reflect on what amazing things individuals are doing but as, as, a, as a group or as a you know it's it's fantastic the impact we can have I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to mention obviously I'm really fortunate to work with lots of international people students from all around the world and get to visit them in their countries but 
it's really wonderful to welcome them here with us in Swansea. And I think there's so much that we can learn, so much that we can take from other cultures and, and, and so much that we can grow and have a, a, an empathy and an understanding that I think it's just constantly evolving in that. But also I think on the flip side, um, I'm really lucky that I've, I've done a lot of um, executive coaching and coaching with men and women. But resoundingly, when I talk to women and coach them, really inspiring, powerful, accomplished, driven women who are at the top of their game, they all suffer with confidence and they all suffer with this imposter syndrome that they feel that maybe they're not doing as good a job as they could or that they'd you know, be found out. And, and I, I just think it would be great for us to meet as women more often because you know, we should be supporting each other and applauding each other and just sort of acknowledging and celebrating what impact we do bring to higher education and not doubt ourselves so much. Again, here, yeah, here. Yeah. Yamni, Sophie, would you like to offer anything before we move on? Shall I just uh, say a very quick word about what I think International Women's Day is, is about? Um, I, I loved hearing what you said, Sadia, and I think it's absolutely awesome and, and well done to you. Um, I just think that we are very, very lucky. I think we all appreciate that we are in a, in a country, in a city, in a place where we can say what we want, we can do what we want, and we can strive to make things better for, for women. I think International Women's Day should be a platform, though, for us to recognise the, the huge number of women all over the world that aren't in this position, that are really struggling because they're social, cultural, religious issues, that doesn't even give them a voice, that doesn't even give them the right to life let alone the right to study. And I think that's just those of us that can should always be aware of that and continue to strive to, on this day, especially, let other people still be aware that that's going on. Uh, it's a very, very sad state of affairs in an awful lot of countries for an awful lot of women. And I think we have a, a, a duty to keep that keep that awareness alive, really. Absolutely. There are different contexts, aren't there? There's the Swansea context that we've spoken about. There's the HE context nationally, but then there's the international and global context, which raises so many different issues in relation to what International Women's Day is about. Um, Sophie? Yeah, just briefly to add, really, I think um, what's really, really great about something like International Women's Day is about all those different aspects about celebrating also about being aware of this work that still needs to be done and I think for myself personally I, there was no doubt that I was going to go to university and that then I would work my way up and I would have a, it was just a given that ah, this is what I'm going to do and I think it's really important that we start to share some of those stories we need as you say highlighting things still need to change and not necessarily just for us in Swansea it's about that wider context and really showing that and also celebrating the people who are doing amazing things in this country outside and really highlighting that and actually making people aware actually we we are extremely lucky and you know we can appreciate that while also being very aware of everything else going on in a wider context yeah i mean as sadia said the strap line for international women's day 2022 is break the bias so what sort of biases are most prevalent do you think in higher education and a big question is really how can we break them I guess some of your workshops, Sadia, might help there. But uh, <laughs> would anybody like to, to start off with that? I personally have not felt a great deal of bias. Maybe I'm just thick-skinned and it's washed over me and it's happened, but um, I appreciate very much that it is present in an awful lot of walks of life. Luckily in higher education, I would say it's not as 
blatant and apparent as perhaps it would be if you were going into a different part of Swansea, let's say, or a different part of the country, but um, it's obviously still there. One of the things that disappointed me greatly when I was doing my Athena Swan work was that this whole pitch to try and include women and try and get women up into things like to be equally part of meetings and all sorts of things was that a lot of men felt uncomfortable about it they felt victimized they felt that why is it all about women and not about men and so so the whole thing to do there was to include them and I, I'm, I'm still an absolute advocate for including men repeatedly on panels like this I mean I know today it was slightly different but their opinion really does matter and it's really important that they understand why we think women need to be represented what what skills what ideas what things do we bring that are different and, and why are they important and I think that bias needs to be overcome there's still a lot of men that get very angry about International Women's Day and about women's equality and rights and I, I think we need to be very sensitive and careful and, and and go with them rather than against them and you mentioned the Athena Swan program then Yamli could you tell us just briefly something about that so Athena's one was set up, uh, gosh, um, probably at least 10, maybe 12 years ago. It's a national um, program where all, all universities in higher education have been given the task of trying to create more e equality within um, courses, within lecturing staff, within senior lecturers, professors, students, all, all across all walks of higher education. Um, and it's, it's, it's an absolute desire to try and see what universities are doing to try and achieve that. And so they're, they're there are national awards like the bronze award if you've managed to to do a little bit silver if you're really quite good so each college sort of pitches their athena swan level and then universities get awarded you know obviously the top is gold it was a very powerful tool that we all had to try and help us gauge how we could make um, everything a little bit more gender equal helen have you got anything to add to yamni's positive spin on biases uh i'm not so positive uh, <laughs> on bias. So a lot of my research, and I take a slightly different perspective with the conversation of bias. I think bias is actually more of a discourse and it's used somewhat as an excuse for people to excuse their choices and the way that they behave towards differences. And a lot of the bias literature, psychology literature, there is an increasing amount of empirical work which is discussing and showing some level of evidence that what we call unconscious biases, which is where we make decisions based on what we call kind of lazy parts of our brain. That mean we may stereotype and use stereotypes to make decisions on how we feel about other people that are different to ourselves. What's, what that's showing is that this level of training doesn't, doesn't work, essentially. It may show some level of impact for around six weeks, but then after that, the, the evidence that it makes the, the changes that we really want to see, it doesn't really work. What my research tries to do and, and look at with, with colleagues in the School of Management is we try and look at where these biases come from. Um, and there's been some really great pointers actually already about media, about popular culture. Um, and a lot of that is based on kind of aesthetics, how we look. Um, Joe, you mentioned about confidence and discussions of confidence. Um, and again, when we talk about biases, and an immediate bias would be to assume that women don't have enough confidence. And I would always ask the question, well, where's that come from? Because you can't just pull confidence off a shelf. And presumably when you're both born either biologically a man or biologically a woman, you're not born with different levels of confidence. So for me, that's got to come from somewhere. Um, and so when I think about bias, I always try and strip, a strip back 
about where these conversations of bias come from. And so, although I started by saying it's kind of negative, I guess for me it's more of an inquisitive way of looking at it. And I think just to mention on Athena Swan, um, these processes and these systems are really important. And there's a lot of criticism about them that they're just the same with sort of the Stonewall Equality Index, which we've just heard Swansea 26 today, which is fantastic. And there's a lot of criticism about these because they are tick boxes. They involve a lot of work often by women and for women. And that's part of an issue is a lot of women take responsibility for what is a societal issue. And that for me is probably a conversation to have later. But when we think about these programs, I think they're really important in starting conversations and starting changes. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that from a positive way that while I talk about biases, from perhaps a critical way, and often they involve using these programs as starting conversations about, you know, what is technically uncomfortable, as kind of Yamini said, you know, often, uh, some individuals are, do find it uncomfortable because it's about confronting what you're generally uncomfortable with. So yeah, th those are kind of my views generally on the discussions of bias, but also about how we begin to change those conversations as well. Yeah, thanks for that, Helen. As a student, Sadia, do you, do you see any gender biases that you think need to be addressed? Um, I can only talk from my my experiences. I can't talk from my peers' experiences, but so far, my experiences have been have been great, <laughs> have been great, and I and I hope that they continue to be great, to be great. Um, however, I am very very aware, like from past peer research projects, that my story it isn't the the case for for everyone and for all students, and so that's something that I don't think it, it it's it's fair. And a lot of the time as well, um, a lot of the biases, the stereotypes, the different types of discrimination that young people experience in colleges or in, in schools prior to university has already impacted them a, a lot and kind of influenced the way that they feel about university as, as well. So that's something that we can sometimes need to take into um into into account so for me my even in, in college my experiences were really really great I had that support network uh, around me those amazing um, relationships with my lecturers and they all really believed in me so I ended up having a really great experience and then speaking to a, a peer that looked exactly like me from the same background from the same religious background as well completely different experience and I see the way that it impacted them and it just made me question um, question the world quite a bit and how unfair um, it could be sometimes right and, and that's why I think installing confidence in young women is so important to me it's making them re realize that the things that the world might tell them is a negative thing about them is actually their superpowers and if they take them on on, on board they can they can actually change the world and do whatever it is that they, that they want to do and they don't have to wait for anybody to come and tell them so I think that's uh, that's all I can say from my point of view. I love that I love the superpowers <laughs> that's really good has anybody else got anything to say along the lines of breaking the bias? There was one thing I wanted to there's two points really that first picking up a bit of what um Yami and Helen were saying about uh bringing men along with the conversation as well and a lot of the confidence building it's just something that I always found quite interesting in previous institutions I've worked in um I did a lot of coaching and mentoring type courses and they were advertising a lot of leadership courses and they'd always they offered to run 
separate male and female leadership courses. And I found it the most bizarre concept that you would run them separately. And like Helen said, well, why would you assume the men are more confident? I would like to think that confidence was not something I've been lacking personally growing up. But if they are that doing so much better and have all this more confidence, why would you not put us in a room with them and and start to share those experiences and start to question? Because I don't think... Like Yamni said, they'll truly understand unless they're involved in part of that conversation. And we don't understand where they're coming from either, unless you have it as a mutual conversation. And I mean, I don't, it'd be, it's fascinating if you think I have completely different views sometimes than some of my friends who don't have brothers. I have an older brother. I think sometimes it's so rooted back, they wouldn't even question some of these things. Not that they're necessarily their deep rooted views, but you wouldn't even question it. And I think it's quite interesting to think that they would separate some of these things which creates a bigger divide than anything else from my own personal experience i think more of a bias that i would have experienced is ageism rather than gender specific whether that is tied in with the gender uh, a young blonde female particularly line management responsibilities it becomes a very very interesting dynamic and that is with both men and women that I've you know I've had that kind of experience with and I think those as you say those intersections between are so hard to pull apart to kind of work out where's that kind of really coming from is it the gender side or is it ageism you know how do we sort of define that and they're so closely interlinked you can't really divide them I don't think yeah I totally agree and and I remember being your age, uh, I was in a different industry at the time. I, I worked in banking, and uh, I remember when I, I went for my job in London, and my boss, I actually got the job, but my boss said, I didn't want you. I didn't want a woman, especially a 24 year old woman. But my, my boss overrode it because he thought you were the one for the, the job. So <laughs> it just goes to show that you know, things haven't changed an awful lot because we can't help but realise that we are women, we have got biological clocks and whether it's menopause, whether it's time to have babies or whatever, we will be expecting certain um, certain leeway to be provided for those things. But then, you know, it's the same for men really and I guess unless we give those things to men too, like, you know, better paternity and, and those sorts of things, you know, we, we do need equality across across the, the, the whole playing field. And, and I guess sometimes men do have a point when it's, it's all about women. Thank you for that. Is there anything, anything that anyone wants to bring up? Yes, please. So I would like to kind of touch on maybe my personal experience on gender bias. And I feel my personal experience is really multifaceted because I've come from a different country and come into the UK. So I've had the opportunity to understand two completely separate types of gender bias. So I'm originally from Zambia and in Zambia, we're definitely miles behind any type of progression in this topic area than in comparison to the UK. But it was only when I got here that I truly understood how deep it was. So I lucky enough came from a really progressive family, but things like access to higher education, it's really slim for women in that country. So for example, I'm the first woman in my whole family to ever go to university, to ever get a degree to even get the opportunity to come internationally. It's such a huge thing. And it's when I came here and I completely see a completely different experience that I was able to see how bad it was over there. And then I think it's really empowering, especially for international students that come here to be able to see what I saw, because then you get the opportunity to make those changes at home. 
So for example, I've been here and I've had the really amazing opportunity of being this welfare officer within Swans University Students' Union. I've learned so much how I can pick up certain things and do certain campaigns that I've got in touch with like a charity in Zambia, specifically around retention of girls in school. The dropout rate is literally like 90% of women, well, girls, sorry, in primary school in Zambia drop out because they have to work for their family or they have to go out and make means or take care of other children. And I think the breaking of the bias there is having people like me who can see the problem come in and have this knowledge that you've gathered from elsewhere, be able to target it and find those intimate solutions. So being able to provide wells near schools is huge. And that's something that you get the opportunity to know and do providing educational resources, um, providing support for parents, working with local government, little things like that. And it's, I think that's really important. And then when you come back here, you see that it's such an educational thing as well. You get to find out the experiences of women here and where the story has kind of gotten to. And you get the opportunity to educate other people immediately to come into higher education and let people know this is where we're at and this is what we can do. And I think that's it's really interesting for me when I have to like live this, these two little lives and over here I'm like fighting for gender equality and then over there I'm fighting for gender equity and it's it's really interesting but yeah so that's kind of my experience and my solution to gender bias is at home yeah that's brilliant I'm really glad you had the opportunity to answer that as well Liza Joe, did, did you want to say anything? Just to reiterate and celebrate all that, you know, as a young female blonde manager, Sophie, like you, I've also been subject to that as well. It's about celebrating best practice and it is really hard to juggle it all. And as a woman, I think we just need to give ourselves a bit of a break. It is hard. I'm a single mum of two kids. I work full time and, you know, the guilt is, is huge. But, you know, if I can work hard and make sure my daughter is now going to university, then I think we're all doing an incredible job. And I think we just need to give ourselves a pat on the back and say, well done. And it's just wonderful. I just thank you so much for this opportunity. Just listen to you all. It just, it does. It fills your cup up. It tops you up and makes you realise that you're around such incredible, inspiring women. Yeah. And it really kind of adds real life meaning, doesn't it, to the um, the mission statements of International Women's Day. Um, I'm just looking at one of them is to forge inclusive work cultures where women's careers thrive and their achievements are celebrated. You captured that in what you just said, Joanne. And I think there's lots of examples that we've spoken about today of how well we do with that at Swansea. But again, there's still a long way to go. There's so much to unpack in some of the examples that you've given today. So I'm going to ask you what we as individuals can do to help build an HE environment that enables all women to thrive equally to men what could we as individuals do more of that perhaps challenges the the unconscious bias that Helen spoke about earlier which as we know is is a, a concept in itself which needs unpacking but is there anything that we can do more of as individuals to challenge bias that we might experience if we experience it I'll go to Helen first and then to Liza I think it's a really really great question um, and I want to kind of jump on Joe's answer about taking a break because I think the immediate response is to always go well what more can I do and I feel like as women we are already doing enough <laughs> um, and we already take on a lot of responsibility for equality um, and and waving the flag and saying that we need this and we need that 
I do a lot of work at the moment on the menopause at work and trying to, I've got a, a big project that's looking at trying to change the Equality Act to include the menopause as part of that. Because at the moment we're classed, when you go through the menopause, your class is disabled. So I don't quite know that, but 53% of the population are, are disabled, um, according to the law in this country at the moment. Um, and I know that's way beyond where, where Zambia is, but we should be up there and platforming to the world how great we are and showing the world the way. That's kind of big, big dreams there. But in terms of what, you know, what we should be doing and confronting it on the individual level, for me, it is just about when you have those conversations and when you're confronted with those conversations, I think support's really key. Um, and support of each other is really key and having those really frank conversations because we are protected in this country legally we are protected and I think one of the issues is that women are often talked about having this lack of confidence being able to address this I think it's about just um, it's not disparage Cheryl Sandberg leaning it's not about leaning in it's not about leaning in. it's about leaning out and, and representing you for all you are and recognizing that you don't have to do the work on your own um, and I guess this is a call for for leadership within HE more broadly um, I think this is a call more broadly to say that you need to wake up the fact that, that while we are great, we need to be greater. And it's not down to individuals to promote that change. We will do the work. We will do our jobs. We will turn up and we will be great. But actually, it demands more. I 100% agree. There's so much that we have to deal with anyways. Like, it's always a learning experience. I think it's always our personal responsibilities to keep educating ourselves, especially around different protected characteristics as well. I think we all owe it to ourselves and to the society around us to make sure that you're fully aware of the different lived experiences of people of different races, women of different races, women of different faiths, women of different identities, different things like that. I think, yeah, we pretty much just owe it to ourselves at this point. There's been this ongoing conversation, but now it's getting broader and we need to keep on top of it as it is getting broader. So if as individuals we're doing a great deal already, can our institution do more? I can see lots of nodding. Sophie? I think one thing I'm quite interested to see is this sort of fallout now from COVID and whether that has shaken anything up. Because I feel, speaking to people, they're generally thinking, I haven't been able to do anything for two years. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm just going to go for it. Why not? And I really hope it shakes other things up as well. We're already looking at much more flexible working patterns, which I think can only benefit women who want to have children and want to still continue working full time and still have that career progression that they might not have been able to have previously. But I kind of hope it, it shakes up leadership and things that actually those normal ways of working and the way the institution runs as an institution they've all kind of been shaken a little bit and I think hopefully I'm hopeful that there's something that comes out of it that really opens up conversations opens up some of that dialogue that flexibility and it just allows people to kind of do whatever feels right for them and embracing that individuality then. Absolutely. I wonder whether we'd be even having this conversation as easily organised as we've been able to do so today because of the medium in which we're having it. So again, hopefully some positives to come out of our new ways of working, I agree. I've got one little question I'd like to ask. So the question is, if you could meet one female role model, past or present, who would it be? So I'll start us off. I would like to meet Maya Angelou. She's an American poet and an, an amazing woman. I've been using her inspirational quotes in some of my coursework for inclusivity. And 
I realised I'd been putting them at the end and I didn't get to actually use them because by the time I got to that after all the wonderful conversations we'd had, I often only got to show the stragglers these 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 things and this personality of, of this wonderful American poet. And I just started reading her first autobiography and it's called I Know Why Cage Birds Sing. I just think, wow, what a woman. I'd just love to have a little chat with her. So who would like to go next? Anybody else? Bliza. If I could meet one person who's still alive, thankfully, um, her name is Inonge Wina. So she was the first female vice president in Zambia and the first woman in power that I actually saw in my country. Um, I think it was such a huge stride that she was even appointed into that position. And she's not vice president anymore, but she went on um, to do a lot of work for women around like philanthropy and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. Um, and this was while I actually came over to the UK. So I got to see it from afar, unfortunately. But um, I think she inspired so many women in Zambia. And I think she was pivotal in the change that's hopefully going to continue to happen. And I would love to just meet her. I think she's cool. <laughs> I would meet, I would have a chat with my grandmother who sadly passed away many, many years ago. She was a young woman who had to leave school at the age of 15 because she had to care for her younger brothers from a sort of mining district. And she taught herself and she was the most intellectual, well-read, uh, did the Times Crossword every day. And when I started at school and then went to a first female, like Liza, to go to university in my family, um, she was enormously proud, but she always said to me, you know, don't, don't get your hopes up too high, that, you know, there's only so much you can achieve. I was lucky to travel the world and teach English, and now I look at where I am now, and I think if I could sit with her and have a cup of tea, she would be utterly astonished and astounded and really proud that a woman from her family could get to the position I am now and can lead other women and work with, in, you know, men and women too, but... I think we've come a long way in such a short amount of time. And I think, um, yeah, I'd love a chat with her. That's brilliant. We, we forget about some of our older generation in our own families and the adversities that they've all come through. So that's that's a good one. Yamni, have you got anyone? Yeah, I've been thinking and thinking. So there are probably two women. Uh, one would be Margaret Thatcher, because I'd like to thump her one and just say, you know, she's regressed the development of women and the compassion. Uh, she's just lacks all of that. The second one would probably be a some sort of pioneer in science. There's there've been a few. Uh, Marie Curie, for example, what an awesome woman. And the woman that um, Watson and Crick took the took the kudos for discovering DNA when it's actually a, it was a woman postgraduate for them that did it. So so yes, I think scientific pioneer role models are so important even now and I think I mean I'm working with the Welsh government going into schools now to talk to girls about the importance of looking into subjects that they never would have thought that they'd be able to do I think that's the sort of thing a role model in science would be my thing. I this question is so it's a difficult one and it's one that I normally ask as an icebreaker and I normally ask people who like um, to give names of two people and I'm struggling here to think of one <laughs> Um, but mine would actually be V. Katfu. So she's an educational activist that recently graduated from Harvard University, actually. And she's just been doing a lot of um, amazing work, you know, paving the way for girls to have access to education. So she's been doing, she's, she's a YouTuber as well. So she's a very well-known figure. And I would just um, love to meet her and just to dive more into her story because I know she moved to the UK when she was pretty young and she was 
raised by a single um single mother as well and so I wanted to know like how she kind of navigated she initially went to Oxford so how she kind of navigated that that type of like set and she has spoken about it a lot but I think to have that one-to-one -one conversation you can kind of dive dive in deeper into somebody's story so she's been somebody that's inspired me a lot especially my journey and where I want to go as well so for me you'd have to be here I'm going to cheat a bit as well I'm going to say three, three in one. I'd like to meet the three daughters of China, uh, who were the three generations of women that are written about in the book Wild Swans by Young Chang. And this is a book that really inspired and empowered me when I read it in my 20s. And a book which I then recommended to a lot of my sociology A-level students over many years. And again, I know it had a similar effect on them. So, so that's who I'd like to meet, the three daughters of China. I cannot think of... I'm really struggling. I keep going, oh, maybe I should be someone really, you know, intellectual and has done amazing things. But I think... Not necessarily. Deep down, I just really like to meet Beyonce. I know that sounds really stupid, but I just think... I think that's lovely. I think she's just, like, awesome. But I'd like to, you know, I'd love to ask her so many questions. And I just think she's as influential as anybody else just because, you know, and I feel sometimes the pressure for them must be horrific as well as from a very stereotypical gotta look pretty kind of look as well but I feel like that was a slightly like I should have gone for someone much more intellectually stimulating <laughs> something like that but that that's who I'd like to meet I think that's perfect because when when I just mentioned mine you might not have known who she was and I just liked her inspirational quotes so when I listened to all of those I thought oh my gosh I should have done something a lot more but um but you but I think that just that just captures everything. I think we've we've hit every button now. I think. Sorry, I was going to make missing? Sophie feel better and just say that I had uh, I had three to kind of just level it out. My first one would be RuPaul from RuPaul's Drag Race. For those of you who are not familiar, um, and that kind of links to my second, which would be Marsha P. Johnson, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a, a key trans rights activist in the United States. Um, and then that would be followed swiftly by Edie Windsor, who's kind of one of the first women who actually took the US to court over a gay marriage in the, in the US and kind of was pivotal in those conversations. And I guess for me, the reason why these people are that they're, I, I know, I, I, I like to talk to talk, talk to talk, and I talk about research, and I know I, I shout from the, the hilltops, but fundamentally, these are people who put themselves out there. And, you know, these are people who risk their lives. To, to make changes and you know I feel very privileged to sit and feel not threatened in the world in the UK today that we live in to those people who are willing to kind of risk their lives to, to make change so those are my my top two but RuPaul you know if any of you know Ru then hit me up. Oh well, that's a fantastic collection I think that's been a fantastic conversation I know we could go on for another hour because we've got at least another hour's material haven't we Ray? We have indeed. But you are a fantastic group and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you and I am in awe of you. And I look forward to, to publishing this. I don't think there's going to be an awful lot I can cut out because you're amazing. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been thank a fantastic you. conversation and goodbye. Thank you very thank much you. for thank you. Us on this. Thank, thank you. Thank you everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.